time to continue examining the work of the man behind fan favorite story of Ricky and the Seventh Curse and let you, the listeners, get a feel for, if you want it that is, the substance, skill and versatility behind director Nam Night Choi. In the first episode we looked at his co-directed debut One Way Only, a rather failed drama. Things improved drastically in the tough Brothers from the Walled City. And we're still partially at Shaw Brothers tonight as we take a look at his 1983 actioner Men from the Gutter. My name is Kenneth Broson, with me is David Harris and Tom Kent Williams, and you're listening to the Director's Series on the Podcast on Fire Network. So guys, hey, how you doing, David? How you doing, Tom? W- welcome, Tom, by the way, to the director series. First Thank of all. you. Good to be on, mate. Good to be on. Yeah. And uh, welcome back, David, to the second episode. Yeah, it's good. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we. I think we established um, the sort of a, the agenda of the show quite uh, quite well during the initial episode. So, uh, you know, just to sucker on Cox a little a uh, little bit, uh, Tom, what did you think of the first episode? Because you listened back to it in prep for this episode. It was great stuff. Great stuff, lads. Yeah, it got me excited and uh, made me a bit jealous because I wanted to be on, but I, you know, couldn't I couldn't be on, but sadly, but I'm on now, so uh, I'm happy. Yeah, you didn't you you didn't have to endure uh, sort of the worst. Uh, well, there's really only one crap movie in this coverage, in my opinion, anyway, and we covered that already with the first one, One Way Only. So you you got out of that, but uh, it was good fun, good. Uh, good uh, double bill of movies, but uh, tonight there's only one movie, as I said during the intro, Men from the Gutter. But we'll get to that in a little bit. First off, some contact information. You're listening to the director series on the Podcast on Fire network, located at podcastonfire.com, home of five other shows currently. This is the sixth one that we created. You can interact with us and chat about all the shows on our forum, podcastonfire.com forward slash forum where there's also members-only content, cut conversations, exclusive movie reviews, etc. Uh, and that's available to you if you register on the forum. I actually think, uh, I'm thinking of possibly changing tack a little bit, occasionally anyway, and will produce bonus episodes that will put up only on the website. It won't be available on iTunes or Stitcher. So uh, I'll, I'll actually try, I'll, I think I'll change tack for a future Meteor members only and uh, see how that gets us. Uh, gets us. It certainly doesn't cost anything to put it on the website rather than only on the forum. Mm. So uh, we'll see what happens there. We're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash POF network. We'd love to hear from you and uh, would love to see more likes. Uh, take those very seriously. I, I think everyone that likes the page actually does like the show extremely. A lot. Much. That's my naive view of the world, but... Uh, and uh, the Podcast on Fire Network is also on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. My writing and video reviewing can be found on sogoodreviews.com and sleazykvideo.com. Your mix of category three, the best and worst, IFD, the best and worst, and the Taiwan black movies era. 
and uh, Taiwan and Hong Kong horror and just in general cool Hong Kong and Taiwan movies will turn up on SoGoodReviews.com and SleazyKVideo.com. As for the Podcast on Fire Network, as we as I mentioned, we are on iTunes. Subscribe to that feed that is available on the site always, as well as in the show post for this episode on the website. And you can listen to us on the go with the application called Stitcher, available on stitcher.com, that you can download to your computer and your smartphone. And as we've talked about during prior episodes, it streams really well, at least in Sweden and in Scotland as Stu has uh, attested to, and I can as well. And it's a great little free app, and Stitcher has been very supportive of us. So, um, And you can find the director series on Stitcher as well, and you can find every new show that uh, we create uh, during this uh, wonderful journey. You can find that on Stitcher. David Harris, of course, has a little endeavor on Facebook called Hong Kong Gig Guide, so I'll let David explain uh, that and uh, briefly what, uh, what's going on uh, currently. Yeah, uh, I just updated it today, earlier today. Um, added a few more shows, uh, a few more links uh, to a few pages. Um, you just can go into Facebook, search uh, Hong Kong Gig Guide, and it will take you straight there. And you can also click on the link that we'll provide in the show post, uh, in the, this episode's uh, show post. Uh, any gigs that you know you can attend when you next go to Hong Kong? Are you looking that, uh, that much ahead in the calendar? Well, I'm keeping an eye on things, but they don't uh, work massively in advance. Right. So I've got things for this month and for February, but uh, you know, I'm keeping an eye out. But you know, next month or the month after, they'll start. Things will start coming through for for when I'm there. So right, cool. Can figure out some stuff stuff to get on with. Cool. Uh, Tom Kett Williams, of course, as we mentioned, has um, a series of reviews on the V Cinema blog, uh, home I of do, the V Cinema podcast, of course, uh, located at vcinemashow.com. And you know, just just uh, brag a little. Uh, what reviews should we check out this week by you, Tom? Um, nothing <laughs> at okay. the moment, but keep your uh, keep your eyes glued to the page because this year there's going to be uh, definitely going to be a lot more coming up. Busy year last year, but this year. Uh, Definitely dedicate more time to get some more reviews up for all you lovely people to read. And we don't mind you going on another site, so to say, because we're all friends. We're all part of a network, in my oh, yeah. opinion. So, uh, and, and Coffin John and the guys are great guys. So uh, go to vcinemashow.com, check out their coverage, whatever that will be in 2012. Uh, Coffin John always has new ideas, and uh, I, I always like when there's no predictability to, to, a, to a website and a podcast I like personally. So I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, we're back covering Men from the Gutter. Again, only one movie tonight, but uh, we have quite a lot of actors and notes to cover. So uh, we'll, we'll actually, uh, we might return to the double bill format depending on the next two movies in line. But uh, tonight it's only Men from the Gutter. And we've already talked, me and David, about director Nam Night Choi in episode one. So... If you listen to the show via the website, you can see the show notes for this episode uh, because they link back to episode one. And in episode one, there's a running times where specifically we talk about Nam Night Choi, me and David. So we won't go over our notes about that director again. But since Tom couldn't join us on that episode, we, we have to ask uh, uh, two, two questions, really. And first one is, were you, Tom, aware of Nam Nai Choi as director before this series, or you just happened to see a movie or three of his without knowing the director behind them, so to say? Um, I really didn't start 
connecting the dots for him as a director until later on. I mean, I first saw Story Ricky uh, as I was first getting into Hong Kong cinema. I remember double billing it with uh, Bruce Lee's Big Boss um, for the first time. Via the, uh, the Hong the, Kong uh, Legends DVDs. Yeah, yeah, both Hong Kong Legends DVDs. Um, I loved it for a while, but I think I quickly grew out of it. I still... I still think it's a laugh to watch with friends now, and the effects are uh, commendable, but it's just, it's not fun enough, I think, for the type of film it is. Um, I think either Peacock King or Saga of the Phoenix was up next, mm-hmm. um, but I can't remember a lick of either. There'll be ones I'll be looking forward to uh, re-watching. Um, but yeah, I started to connect the dots with him when I started, uh, when I watched Seventh Curse. Mm-hmm. I started kind of realizing who he was and the type of films he made, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, energy so, and lots of special effects all of a sudden. Yeah, film movies yeah. in a row. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Seven Curse a lot, and uh, looking forward to reusing it for the show. Uh, obviously, recently saw his first two films, One Way Only and Brothers from the Wall City. Well, well, then you know, brief opinions on One Way Only and Brothers from the Wall City. I forgot to even to add in my notes. So, uh, One Way Only, in short, what, what did you think of it? Uh, my thoughts uh, echo your guys' sentiments for the most part. One Way Only, uh, it's decent, but pretty average work, which you know, not a lot happens, but it's it's fairly entertaining. Uh, it's a decent start for him. Um, Brothers from the Wall City, on the other hand, is a strikingly effective mm. uh, drama. Uh, it feels like a different director's work. It's shocking how quickly Nanai Choi grew as a director mm-hmm. um, between the two films. And I think the film is definitely more um, stylistically akin to the film we're talking about tonight mm. rather than his first effort. It's so with, fucked you know, up, too. It's so disturbing yeah, and yeah, fucked up. Just, I mean, the, the ending scenes with uh, Chin Su Ho is uh, very few, uh, like, last two, three scenes yeah. in the movie. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, shocking. But I think it definitely backs it up with a really solid story. Mm. Without a doubt. Cool. Um, okay, ha- having watched what you have then, the four or five movies, or rather like six or seven by this point, uh, you know, d- does this director has- have an appeal to you personally? Uh, you know, you I-, I know your taste in cinema uh, fairly well by now, but still, uh, d- does he appeal to you personally, this director? I mean, as we as we progress through his filmography and from seeing what I've seen, I mean, it might be a bit early to say, but I think this director is, you know, without a doubt, one of the unheralded greats of, of Hong Kong cinema, mm-hmm. if, if for nothing but the sheer creativity he brings, you know, whether it be action, drama, splatter, um, all of these elements I enjoy a lot, um, but there's always an energy to his films, and for this reason alone I think his work should be more widely seen. And hopefully we can ex- inspire that. Uh, obviously, yeah. we're not providing the movies as we talk about them. You know, uh, uh, any you know, we're not providing any torrent or download links or stuff like that. We're 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 providing buy links if we can. But so far, mm. since we cover his Shaw Brothers movies, those movies are quite hard to get because they're not pressed anymore, uh, really anywhere in Asia. Possibly Thailand. There's some stock left, but uh, in mm. Taiwan and Hong Kong, IVL are uh, and Delta Mac. Um, respectively are not uh, printing anymore Shaw Brothers movies so uh, no, you, no. you you have to look in uh, sort of the illegal and illegal places without uh, naming any uh, details of uh, where to look yeah I think Walled City is definitely worth seeking out oh definitely definitely, yeah. definitely. my memory of it was that uh, it was pretty decent but when I watched rewatched it I really you know <laughs> this was the ultimate sign that uh, it's actually a better movie than my memory uh, than my memory thought I I had it in storage, and I uh, took it in from storage, um, and I kept it in 
the apartment after that. <laughs> it didn't go back into storage. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's uh, proudly in the, the apartment and uh, not in the dusty storage uh, storage room. Oh, it, des it deserves to be Ken, I think. Yeah, yeah definitely. So I, I really dug it. Yeah, it, Brothers from the Wall City, well, uh, when we we spoke about it, David, uh, this was your first viewing of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, your 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 memory is still uh, still still uh, favorable in terms of uh, yeah. That I mean, it was um, you know the big like Tom was saying, very definite contrast from the first film. You can see you know where was maybe trying some things and is 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 taken that and used that in in the second film, but it's it's just it's so different. Definitely. And uh, yeah, and it's just uh, you know you can really see that's uh, much more the kind of uh, story and you know the kind of cinema that he's was interested in making. Growth, you know, yeah. uh, you can summarize that as that growth. And uh, without revealing too many opinions uh, beforehand, I I, I I can say from my my side that uh, growth is visible in men from the gutter as well. Mm. And uh, well, we'll get to that because now. Even though you know we're not doing a video podcast and we're not showing you images of actors and uh, or anything, I, I do like to run through so so the essential cast and any notes we might have on those because uh, it always creates a perspective that is um, you know welcome in my book. I'd like to hear it on a podcast and hopefully a few others do. So we're gonna go through some actors and starting with. Uh, sort of the co-lead um, he has sort of his separate story in the movie and it's uh, Jason Pai Piao and uh, David is going to tell us a little bit about him uh, so go ahead David yeah uh, Jason Pai Piao was born Lu Ku Young in 1946 entered the uh, film industry in his early 20s um, one of his early roles was it was uncredited uh, he was a uh, casino guard in the Jimmy Wang Yu classic the Chinese boxer Fug and extra. That's uh, what's on Hong Kong movie <laughs> database, probably. He <laughs> made a, a number of films with the Shaw Brothers in the early 70s without really making any uh, headway uh, in his career. Until uh, and then he found fame on TV with the newly formed uh, at the time CTV television station and a series of martial arts costume drums. Uh, he returned to Shaw Brothers in in 78. And from 79 until the mid-80s, he appeared in an average of over five films per year. Um, in the last couple of decades, he's made fewer films, but has worked uh, steadily in television. And his, his most notable film role in recent years is in uh, Choyuk's 2005 film Seven Swords. Can't remember dick about that movie, and certainly not his uh, performance. I wasn't too on board with Seven Swords, to be honest. It, it always looked great from the beginning, but um, I, I have no lasting memory and no really desire to rewatch uh, Seven Swords. To be yeah, honest. Agreed. I agreed. I, 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 gave, I gave it a go. I gave it another go, you know, in, in preparation. Uh, it, so is it a big role, or can you even see him in the film <laughs> at all? Remember him rather? I, the whole the whole film still still baffles me. It was the same the first time I saw it. It was like. You know, it looks great, and yeah, you know, it's gonna it's gonna go somewhere, and but it just it just really confuses you know confuses the hell out of me. To be honest. Yeah. And um, yeah, you weren't too on board with Seven Swords either, Tom. No, I'm completely in agreement with you, Ken. It was it was beautiful to look at, but story-wise, I think it was a bit a bit shallow. Mm. Well, well, Choi Choi has bounced back it seems with uh, Detective D. So uh, you know, you you can't have amazing classics uh, every time. A lot of people built up anticipation for Seven Swords 
uh, because Choi hadn't made a movie in uh, two, three years, um, obviously at work, but I think his last movie before that was Black Mask 2, which for the record I liked. I actually did like that. It was fun. It was energetic and fun, and I understood it. You know, that's that's more uh, more than I can say for Seven Swords. Yeah. But but for Jason, it's it's amazing how many times I, I tend to feel this way about um, actors and actresses and filmmakers, uh, and I guess it speaks to Hong Kong and Taiwanese cinema's way of breeding talents at a time, you know, seventies and eighties. They they were producing tons of movies and obviously tons of talent as well, and. Obviously, Jason was not a star in the making, uh, uh, but a, a rougher presence, quite suitable for martial arts and martial arts action. Uh, but, and I can't think of a time where I like scoffed and disliked his presence in movies. You know, not him again. Boo! <laughs> you know, that's never happened. And uh, certainly, Men from the Gutter is a badass role that stands out. Uh, and uh, definitely, also uh, Tong Guy's Shaolin Prince, where he plays the bad guy. Uh, the um, movie with Dick Long and Derek Yee, where Dick Long plays a twenty-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great movie, but that—that's that, what you need to buy into. Uh, you know, it, it's an early '80s movie to to state. It's not a mid-sixties uh, movie or anything like that. Awesome. It's like that they, they switched. Uh, you know, they, they should have cast Derek Yee in that role because Derek was obviously younger than Dick Long at that point. But uh, yeah. whatever, it's a great uh, classic movie. Uh, Sun Chung's Revenge of the Corpse is also a good, uh, good, funny little movie with uh, Jason. Uh, one of those movies that's only available in, in the Sea Eagle uh, box that no one should buy. I acquired that particular movie via those illegal means, but uh, it's good fun. You may, you know, you have the plot of the movie right there, Revenge of the Corpse, mm. and then Lolit is uh, the bad guy in that one, so it's all good fun. Once you pass Shaw Brothers, I mean, the, there's less work. To um, in in terms of movies anyway, but again, I always have positive thoughts when replaying movies like Thunder Run and Angel Terminators Two in my head, uh, with Jason being a sort of a co-lead supporting actor respectively in those movies. Uh, so it's one of those actors I don't mind. Not one of my you know top ten favorites that I get uh, you know chills watching and uh, have the urge to watch like five Jason Pipeu movies in a row, but. He's uh, never made an ass of himself, uh, possibly in Seven Swords or whatever he did in Seven Swords. <laughs> but uh, we'll move on to uh, another actor. This was one of the bad guys in the movie. We're going to talk about one of the good guys in the movie, and it's uh, actor Law Meng, and David uh, will tell us about him right about now. Yeah, uh, Law Meng was born in 1952, made his start in film in 1976, uh, quickly becoming a firm favorite of uh, Cheng Chia. Uh, making 18 films of him in just about five years. Um, you know, a couple of the more uh, notable uh, films that were, you know, of the Five Venoms, uh, Kid with a Golden Arm. Um, during uh, during the 90s, he began to branch out into television with uh, with TVB, and he has over the years over the over the last uh, 10, 20 years, ad adapted to you know changing markets by developing a, uh, uh, a comic persona. Uh, notable uh, 1990s films include uh, uh, How Worlds, Eternal Evil of Asia, uh, Ebola Syndrome, and uh, Bullets Over Summer. Uh, yeah, but, by the way, I, I got to mention the briefly Ebola Syndrome, fantastic movie. Uh, it's a sexual stud in that movie. <laughs> uh, and the Bullets Over Summer, well, you know, remember, that's the 
Ip Man director Wilson Yip his early work yeah. that is quickly forgotten, unfortunately. Uh, Interesting film. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. More people should see it. Yeah, but sorry, go ahead, David. Yeah, um, is uh, aforementioned uh, uh, comic persona uh, came to the fore in the new millennium with roles in a, a series of comedies, um, Drywood Fierce Fire with uh, Liz Koo, uh, Diva Ahe with uh, Charlene Choi, Three of a Kind with um, Lao Ching Wan, um, Herbal Tea, uh, Papa Loves You, and with amusing effect in Anna in Kung Fu Land. Where his uh, character sleeps with a male film producer. Right on, I've got to watch that movie now. <laughs> but, um, in recent years, I've seen him in a number of more action orientated roles, including the now, uh, you know, fan favourites, uh, uh, Ip Man 2 and uh, the award winning uh, Gallants. Wow. Is it, um, how, how prominent is the role in Ip Man 2? If anyone knows. Um, it's uh, it's a couple of scenes. It's in the where it's the fight scene between uh, Donnie and Samo on the tabletop. It's yeah. yeah. It's that it's that sequence around there where they're all kind of sitting around uh, sitting around the table. One one of those actors that um, pretty much will look badass throughout his career. He's you know um, and uh, saying that is also saying he's aged well. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And uh, Gallants, I've yet, I've yet to see. I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, a lot yeah. of old school yeah. talent gathered yeah, in uh, one really movie. Yeah, it's really good. Me too. I need to see it. I need to see it. But um, do do you have any other like personal notes on uh, Law Meng, uh, David? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I noticed while I was uh, putting together the bio was he had uh, he got an insane amount of uh, different screen credits, screen names. <laughs> it's, I uh, thought you were going to mention this. Yeah, is that is um I mean obviously like Low Meng or Low Mang is is his most well known uh screen name sort of here. But uh, you know, many uh, many of his other neat screen names are, are based around his real family name of Law. Uh, you know, his, his full name of Law Quan Lam. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and my personal favourite which is used a lot in, in recent years is Turbo Law. Oh fucking right on. Which is just a, fa- <laughs> it's just a fantastic name. <laughs> It just reeks of uh, sort of a, a 80s or 90s villain, you know. We, we, we've got to nail the drug dealer Turbo Law, <laughs> you know. It's, uh, it's, uh, the long arm of the Lord needs to nail Turbo Law. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, the Ramon English names Law. are... Sorry? Ramon Law. Ramon. Is yeah, yeah. a good one. Ah, now, now it's a gay porn star. <laughs> <laughs> well, porn star in general. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I mean, okay, Johnson Law might be the more suitable porn name, you know. Yeah, yeah, good man. Not blessed with the most good English names, but I've never seen that credited anywhere. So it's, um, you know, it's it's a law man is what sticks, is Mm. is stuck on prints and all of that. So uh, certainly back in the Shaw Brothers days, uh, they didn't put an English name um, uh, attached to him either. So... uh, it's like Yoon Bu. I mean, he's uh, he's been credited as Bill, as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But 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 you never seen that aside from some export prints, I gather. Yeah, like video prints and stuff. Yeah. Um, for for me, I, I've seen too little of his Shaw Brothers work to be honest. I remember he was in Daredevils, one of the Venom's movies that um, uh, I didn't mind really. It was good, violent, fun, and he comes in as. Uh, I think I think it might have been a brother that dies fairly early, but it was one of those Shang-Chi movies that didn't take itself very seriously. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Venoms as such, but uh, the Daredevils was uh, good fun, and uh, he's um, 
obviously physically gifted and all of that. Uh, as with any of those guys in the Changchi movies of this time, they were Taiwan opera performers. I'm not sure Lo Meng was, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick with that. I'm not sure. That means I'm not right or wrong. You know. Uh, but uh, I. I do enjoy him in Ebola Syndrome. <laughs> he plays the boss of Anthony Wong's um, w during the South African parts of the movie. It's set in South Africa, like the first half of the movie. And um, he's a sort of mean boss to Anthony Wong's bullied uh, chef. And uh, and as I said, uh, Lo Meng is a sexual stud to boot in that movie. Uh, tries out various sexual positions and uh, his uh, wife uh, can't really keep up with him. But uh, yeah. It's it's good fun. He's funny. He, he is funny. I mean, it's not uh, it's not embarrassing to look at him in uh, that category three movie. And um, uh, I don't remember his role in, in Eternal Evil of Asia, with, but that's a classic category three movie anyway, full of energy and uh, uh, always good fun. And the bullet, uh, bullets of a summer possibly I my memory is vague as well, but possibly also he was a bad guy in that because uh, his face is you know hard and tough. It suits playing uh, villains even though he's a cop in Men from the Gutter it's still not um, you don't see him as a romantic lead necessarily he could be a comedic presence I can buy that I've seen that so I definitely can uh, I, I can approve but uh, you don't expect him to and you never expect him really to be a romantic lead in movies no I think he was the guy in the surveillance if I, if I remember mm-hmm I think yeah, I'm sure. I think yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So yeah I think a long think time he's... ago, saw that. He's the guy they're watching from the uh, the house. Yeah, for, for ah, you're yeah. right. You're right. I, yeah. I remember that now. It's, uh, it looks great in that movie too, and yeah. uh, has a fight with either Louis Ku or Francis. Uh, I think. Anyway. I think he, he has one with Francis when I think he, he sneaks to his house, doesn't he? It's awesome. When he's, he's on the roof. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Alongside Lo Meng uh, playing one of the cops is uh, the other cop of the movie, Michael Mew Qy, and uh, we've uh, discussed him quite extensively on the Scared Stiff commentary, which is uh, one of our uh, one of the commentaries I'm very proud of, and Michael Mew is in that. And as we discussed during that, we're gonna rehash some information, but that was a long time ago, so uh, most of this hopefully is new to you. Uh, Michael was originally a furniture making apprentice. And as with many known personas out of the entertainment industry in Hong Kong, even Ringo Lam, director Ringo Lam, he entered the in 1980 the TVB Training Academy for actors. And uh, Ringo Lam, alongside Chiang Fat, uh, was in that training program as well. Chiang Fat went into acting, Ringo Lam didn't really. I, I don't think Ringo has any screen credits as such, uh, other than bit parts probably. But anyway, in terms of Michael. From 1981 to 1986, he, together with Kent Tong, Felix Wong, Tony Leung, Chiu Wai, and Andy Lau, were the TVB's Five Tigers. They were promoted as the TVB's Five Tigers, uh, the popular actors at TVB. And uh, among other things, classic series that they participated in, uh, although not at the same time, though, uh, was The Legend of the Condor Heroes in 1982 with uh, Mew Qi and Felix Wong starring. And uh, all of them, sans Tony Leung Chiu got reunited on the big screen uh, a few years ago in 2007 in the movie Brothers, which is uh, this 
Looks great, but it's a Robin Average triad drama. It has some good violence as well, but not the most memorable movie. Uh, directed by Derek Chu, who's a um, more memorable director for more quirky movies like Comeuppance and Love Ao Zen and The Log and uh, movies like that. Uh, Comeuppance is a movie everyone's gotta watch uh, by Derek Chu. It's a wonderful black comedy. As I said, Michael you know, trained as something else as well, other than acting, and uh, that sort of ran through his life it seemed because he's known as a businessman as well having businesses aside from acting you know co you know covering all the bases in case the acting uh, acting jobs are dried up and all of that so he is said that he once invested in a company manufacturing and selling glasses so that that's good thinking that's a man thinking ahead rather than I'm, I'm the big star work will never dry up and then a week later tvb drops him you know, <laughs> you, you, you never know what's going to happen, even though it's a great period uh, for TV, I guess, and as well as movies, because uh, the 80s and the 90s uh, were, you know, movie, it was a movie making machine, Hong Kong cinema, obviously. Mm. Uh, and he's gathered up quite a constant and impressive list of credits from the mid 80s to the latter part of the 90s, therefore. And uh, again, Men from the Gutter is... Um, a standout that I discovered only via the DVD release by IVL, the remastered DVD release. As with many movies in the Shaw Brothers library, lots of them, to me anyway, weren't known until the uh, DVD release. Because home video, uh, they weren't out extensively on home video before. And uh, another standout is the heroic bloodshed classic Hero of Tomorrow in 1988. A standout even in the huge canon of heroic bloodshed movies. He starts with uh, Max Mock in that one. And if you can find the Hong Kong DVD of uh, Hero of Tomorrow, there's actually an English dub on that as well, which is always cool when the, a local Hong Kong company decides to put the English dub on it as well. Yep. And uh, normally they're not too shabby, those dubs. It's not the annoying, uh, the annoying... The annoyance of Kung Fu dubs didn't extend to heroic bloodshed movies necessarily. <laughs> Thankfully. Yep. Even though they, they, many of the voices were possibly the same. Yeah. Another movie I liked was News Attack, 1989, a fairly mature look at the life of news reporters, uh, co-starring with Andy Lau in that one. And his um, one of his, I don't know if m many people, as as we talked about uh, during the beginning of the show, if uh, I'll ask you, Tom, if you knew sort of the name, had gathered the name Nam Night Choi. And people don't necessarily do that. They just watch a lot of movies and they recognize actors, but they don't bother or they don't really care to look up the name they they might like the actor but you know you not many people care so many people definitely have seen fatal termination from 1990 i think mm. where amu um, has a supporting role during like the first third of the film and it's very memorable of course for the scene in the movie where mike abbott is holding out a girl in her hair uh, outside of a speeding car and Moon Lee is of a hood fighting for her life and her daughter's life. Uh, and that's only one of like many vicious scenes in Fatal Termination. And Mew QI is involved in some of those vicious scenes. Real classic. Have you guys uh, caught that? Because um, it has a reputation of Fatal Termination, but I don't know how many people have actually seen the movie. Yeah, sadly, just, just clips. To be mm. honest, I haven't seen the whole thing. Yeah, same here. Same here. Uh, you'll you'll be surprised. I'll, I'll I'll make sure at least you two uh, get get my uh, a copy of my uh, of my DVD of it because it, it is kind of rare. What's on Hong Kong DVD? Sort of quickly went out of print as well. It but, happens. Yeah, uh, but didn't f it, it sort of fell through the cr 
through the cracks but not thoroughly because it did get a DVD release and uh, it was not one of those movies that were only on laser it was only on laser disc and all of that mm. but uh, good fun good violent fun and uh, his return to movies Mew QI because he, he he did and does a lot of TV still was via a small role in the Eric Tsang supported independent shot on video drama that I really dug called When Beckham Met Owen this was made in 2004 uh, by a very promising director called Adam Wong, which I'm still I've lost track of because I haven't checked his filmography, but I hope he's doing work because he did a very good movie after that called Magic Boy, I believe. Oh yeah, Magic Boy, that's good. I like that. Yeah, very very sweet. He's got a feel for feel for sweetness, you know, Adam Wong, and uh, I'm I'm glad to see the likes of Eric Tsang supporting, uh, you know. Uh, uh, profiles, uh, talents, and uh, Andy Lau has done as well via the uh, Focus First Cuts program. So uh, that was yeah. warms my heart. And when Beckham met though in his terrific movie, he plays a coach of a sports team. But the main story is about uh, this ten-year-old kid, circa, that um, is sort of finding out that he's uh, gay and uh, struggles with, you know, obviously telling his best friend this. And uh, there might have been some tangent about him actually being in love with his best friend. Very handled with very a mature touch, because despite kids being cast in this, it's not a subject matter that they turn or light and fluffy uh, in order to appeal to the kids. It's a very adult movie as well. Mm. Very well handled. I recommend that. And an active return to TVB has taken place for Michael Mukwai. Uh, it's as I saw um, him in a. Uh, and that, that that was probably true between 2004 2010 but i saw him recently in a promo for like, like a cops gangster piece and it looked really good for I, I i don't know too much about hong kong tv but this looked very stylish for tv you know always you know not like a movie but certainly trick stylish tricks that rank up there with what you see in movies it was not any soap opera shot from the waist up with foggy lenses type of production you know <laughs> it's just not that kind of soap so uh, i would like to see more hong kong tv based on that i don't remember if uh, the english name of that um of that series but uh, other movie roles uh, that i gotta mention he was in a few years ago now the marco mac directed the triad thriller woo hoo the uh, massive like under cop uh, uh, undercover cops in the triads thriller you know they had to uh, seek seek out who's the traitor but the cops sent out a massive amount so Wong Jing who produced that you know he took the Inferno Affairs sort of template and then made it this instead and it's a good little movie uh, Francis Ng mm, is uh, really good in it and Eric Tsang is in it as well so you, you got veterans starring in it and that makes it easily uh, you know, uh, not embarrassing beforehand. You know, it's not starring pop idols only. And uh, he also co-starred alongside Simon Yam in Black Ransom from 2010, a movie I'm not yet caught. And uh, his uh, working seems to be favoring a TV at the moment. And uh, possibly, I don't know this, uh, business uh, businesses alongside TV. Uh, he's possibly still in that frame of mind and good on him, if so. I, I always respect that. You know, uh, and... Um, it's good to work a lot and uh, taking a lot of jobs in terms of acting. You know, take whatever job you can do. You know, I mean, look at Chow Fat and Simon Yam's careers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Simon Yam appearing in fifteen, sixteen movies uh, 
uh, each year between like 91 and 94 you know that that was common you Basic. know yeah. and with the looming 1997 you you didn't really know about what's gonna happen to hong kong cinema at that point and and what happened was that hong not due to 1997 but um when uh, when hong kong was handed over to the mainland again but hong kong cinema went through a real real crisis yeah so uh it's good uh, good to work and i i expect that a lot uh Again, it's like I really like based on the movies I mentioned, and, uh, and uh, but I, he didn't look his best during the time when Men from the Gutter was shot. No. You know, his uh, fluffy hair and his big glasses, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but he toughened up look-wise as the eighties yeah. moved on, and Scared Stiff is a good example of that. He is maturing into his looks, better haircut, <laughs> and. Yeah. Hero of Tomorrow, he's, uh, you know, he's, can, can be tough and gritty, and uh, as well as in Fatal Termination. And looking at him in Brothers and Woohoo, you know, he's, uh, he's aging to the point where he has uh, cinematic weight. Not physical weight, but uh, cinematic weight, where he can play a bad guy really convincingly. He's a, tri- he's a triad boss in Brothers, who, uh, who is kind of reunited with his brother, Ethan Chan, who's the good guy amongst the Brothers. And I really like that. He looks good. He looks respectable. And a guy who's grown into his looks quite well. So I hope to see him more in movies, therefore. And uh, uh, some bigger movies, even. Yeah, I think uh, I think Man from the Gut was maybe his uh, second or maybe third film. I'm not quite sure. But it's, 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 second film, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd been, you know, been, it was literally it was just starting out. So mm-hmm. he's, he's still kind of, uh, you know, getting his you know, big screen persona. Yes, it's weird you still say developing that. it. Yeah. He, he looks, I mean, he looks even better just two years later in um, Twinkle Twinkle Bookie Stars. Mm-hmm. He looks a lot kind of older than he was in, in Men from the Good, which is strange because it's only two years apart. Yeah. One of the last actors, uh, the last actor we're going to speak about is actually uh, the sort of main lead in the bad guy camp, I would say. Uh, even bigger role than uh, Jason Pipeu, I think. And it's Parkman Wong, and Tom is here to tell us about Parkman Wong. Um, yep, uh, taking a, a quick glance at his filmography, you tend to get an impression of a man who mostly made his mark by acting. Uh, but this is a man who worked in Hong Kong cinema and Hong Kong cinema of the 80s, so of course he has numerous directing, assistant directing, planning, producing, and writing credits to his name. Uh, in the directing field, we have a lot of close work with Danny Lee, Amnon Nechoi, with both men specifically on One Way Only, uh, covered in the last show, and with Nam in this film. Um, his work with Lee forms a pretty solid run of assistant directing on uh, 83's Oh My Cops, 84's Law with Two Phases, 85's Cop Busters, Parking Service from 86, and Road Warriors from 1987. I love those titles. I love all those titles. Not all movies are great. But fucking hell, what a great bunch of titles. Good one of titles, yeah. <laughs> Parking yeah. service! <laughs> uh, he also uh, solely directed Danny Lee alongside Lunkai uh, Yan in Red Shield. Um, so I think it's fair to say Popman Wong and Danny Lee hit it off on the set of One Way Only as they formed a strong working relationship for the latter part of the decade. Wong also played a small part in the early career of a one Stephen Chow Sing Chi, if you've heard of him, uh, directing Final Justice, uh, where Chow starred alongside Guess Who. Danny Lee, Lee sir. Uh, <laughs> and the unmatchable match from 1990, which he also co-wrote. Direction aside, he's had various small roles in very prolific Hong Kong cinema, uh, City on Fire, The Killer, Dr. Lam, and The Untold Story, to name a few. All roles, again, alongside Danny Lee. So a possible friendship between the two is hard to deny. 
and the uh, the fact that two both frequently play police officers is uh, is another interesting link. Uh, to sum up, a man who is you know, somewhat of a hidden cog in, in in genre film of Hong Kong cinema and possesses a filmography of titles not to be sniffed at. Oh, definitely not. I mean. Uh... You know, you you don't just put any guy in charge of your movie. I mean, many of these are produced by Danny Lee's production company, Magnum, yep. including, including The Killer. don't remember him in The Killer, to be honest. Do, do, do you guys no. remember where he was in that movie? No. 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 Not the top of my head, no. He, he, he was not one of the cops beside Danny Lee, because the main one was uh, Ken Sang. And uh, so it was not a yeah. band of cops like uh, like. It is in these movies, you know, the OCTB gang, like in, you know, the Untold Story and what have you, uh, beating mm. the shit out of Anthony Wong and Simon Yam and all that. So, uh, but I, I like Parkman a lot. And uh, again, you, you mostly saw him in Danny Lee's gang of cops in movies. So um, also, you know, it was the acting gang, rather, you know, rego- regardless of the roles that they had in the movies, they, they were, they, they were sort of an acting gang, a troupe, if you will. And, and, and that kind of rocks, actually. And, and Parkman is yeah. a cool presence to have especially when he plays uh, the bad cop so to say uh, not the corrupt cop but you know the bad cop that beats up uh, suspects uh, uh, putting uh, putting uh, thick ass phone books on their chests and just beating the shit out of them that way <laughs> like in organized crime and Triad bureau that movie where that kirk wong director really good and you know it did admirably well it's a great career you know the, the titles you mentioned that he directed the unmatchable match red shield and final justice all good movies not just sean because they came out during that time but you know solid movies he he had it in him and uh, you know uh, i'm gonna do this live here i never checked where sort of his filmography ended in terms of movies he still uh, apparently appears every now and again in movies uh at PTU commander, police senior inspector, and all of that. But it seems like he took a break from movies between '98 and 2004. He was apparently in Johnny Toe's Breaking News, playing a PTU commander. So, uh, uh, is is he still out there? Possibly a TV career as well. He's in uh, Black Ransom as well that we just mentioned. Oh, really? Yeah, he's in that as well. Cool. Yeah, a cool cut. Uh, don't mind him. And, uh, don't mind him at all. Like many people, uh, uh, there's a few that I thoroughly mind you know for that i thoroughly detest yeah and, but even those i detest i kind of like it at, at points you know dean check check what have you <laughs> everything always comes back to dean check you're a glutton <laughs> for punishment ken <laughs> I, I am i am uh all right i'm gonna mention just two out of uh, the crew um aside from nam night Choi that we'll speak about um during the review that's coming up because these are two very minor profiles, but I, I like to give them their due. And one, uh, they're the writers on the movie. And the first one is uh, one of the many Tony Lungs in Hong Kong cinema, Tony Lung Hunghua. Prolific producer and director of mostly low-budget movies, but what notables low-budget movies includes producing Herman Yao's Taxi Hunter, which is a vigilante thriller with Anthony Wong, came out during the Category 3 heyday, Category 2 uh, yeah, Category 2. I was about to say B, but I think it's only Category 2. And a really good movie in terms of that vigilante uh, uh, vigilante template, if you will. Uh, yeah. Because they, 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 there's one classic scene that cements this. Uh, Anthony essentially has his uh, Travis Bickle moment in front of a mirror. But when he tries to like put his gun you know, uh, uh, just inside of his trousers you know, in a cool way, the gun falls down his pants legs, you know, and uh, it, it's not it's not easy to sort of suit up, 
you know, you want to have the revenge quite harshly, but, you know, the practical stuff of, you know, actually attaching the gun e easily is not, it's not very easy. It's not a broad scene. It's actually very human, and I do like that a lot. There's a good touch in Taxi Hunter, which mm. uh, I think by now is out on DVD in America. And, yeah, uh, definitely say that one. Uh, Discotech Media, I think, put out a uh, remastered DVD of Taxi Hunter, which I recommend yeah. everyone to go see. Putting out some good stuff, that company is. Yeah, absolutely. They put yeah, out yeah. the Ebola Syndrome DVD as well. Yeah. Um, Tony also directed A Lamb in Despair, which was sort of a late 90s um, serial killer flick rated Category 3, and not a bad one at that. I thought it was quite effective and dark. I think it stars Anthony Wong. Um... And that was pretty much it about Tony. Uh, the other writer, Keith Lee, not necessarily prolific, but has writing credits on classics like People's Hero, sort of Derek Yee's take on Dog Day Afternoon, if you will, starring Dick Long and Tony Long Chui. He wrote Drunken Monkey for Lao Galung uh, later on in the new millennium, was planner on The Seventh Curse and Viva Erotica, and is a director himself of only two movies but one is a classic one that also stars in uqi the classic creepy crawler flick centipede horror <laughs> and that makes keith a legend in my in my opinion <laughs> and uh yeah uqi looks exactly the same in that movie as it does in this movie so he, you know they, they kept at it in uh, for two movies at least with that uh, horrible horrible haircut and those glasses <laughs> <laughs> and uh but it, it's a great uh, movie uh Centipede Horror is one of those that you, you don't fake it. You have real creepy crawlers on set. And uh, I think it's Margaret Lee who at the end of the film, she's inflicted with a curse. And um, as soon as that curse uh, exits her during the end of the film, she obviously, she, she vomits, but she doesn't vomit, she vomits centipedes. And they're, they're fucking alive, no doubt about it. And she does it like in two, uh, in sort of two rounds, if you will, you know, uh, it isn't enough with for puking once. I think they do it twice. And what a brave, what a brave actress! I think Mewki is sort of more running away from the centerpiece than anything else. But he's in it. You know these, you know snake movies and the centipede movies, if you will. During this time in Hong Kong cinema, the few that were made, did they put actors in there? You know uh, whether they liked it or not, I guess. And I, I like that because there's no faking sort of things. Just like in action movies where. Jackie and Sam and Yumbu are taking hits. You know, there's no faking that, and uh, all it's all the more memorable for it. You know what I mean? And that includes uh, animal horror movies, and uh, I'm sure I'll I want to cover that on a podcast on Fire Network, even if it's only solo chats about centipede horror. Um, uh, I'll do that. I'll, I'll actually put that on wax now. Centipede horror <laughs> is coming to podcast on Fire Network. <laughs> Yay! And they all cheered, you know, the Monty Python scene, the Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> you know, and, and they all rejoiced. <laughs> right, though, rejoice because there's a break coming up. Uh, a pee break for, for us, perhaps, and pee break for your listeners. And after that break, we're going to have our little roundtable discussion of this episode's chosen movie, Men from the Gutter. So thanks for sticking with us, and we'll be right back.
welcome back and now we're gonna cover and talk specifically about Men from the Gutter, 1983's Men from the Gutter by Nam Nai Choi. And the plot goes a little bit like this, this comes from my review of the film for once I could put together a plot synopsis that resembled the coherence. No, I'm very bad at that stuff, I hate writing plots. Uh, but anyway, dealing with ongoing criminal plots for the already frustrated police force, Character Wang Guangtai, which is Parkman Wang, plans an armed robbery together with girlfriend Lily. This is actor Chen Peishi, along with Boris Along, played by Long Tin Sang. People might have seen him in Choi Hawk's angry movie uh, Dangerous Encounter First Kind, aka Don't Play With Fire. And the final buddy in that group is Brainless, played by Billy Lau of Mr. Vampire fame. Uh, all while a hitman, this is uh, Jason Pai, is targeting the boss of a drug syndicate played by Wong Jung. And the law taking care of all of these ongoing criminal plots represented by uh, Q, this is Miu Qi's character, and Xiao, Lo Meng, tries to balance troops and heads in order to solve both crimes. And I'll like sort of the brief opinions first and then we'll go into detail as uh, much as we can like. So Starting with you, David, your short take on Men from the Gutter. Really strong stuff. Uh, uh, my favourite of the three, the three Nam Nai Choi films we've seen so far. Um, I think as uh, as brothers, brothers from the Walled City, as as big a leap as that was from his first film, this uh, Men from the Gutter is a, is a big leap from that too. Right. It's. Um, I think it's got a. Uh, it's not the same, exactly the same feel throughout the film, but it's uh, there's a really consistent uh, style there. It's not, you know, it's not uh, particularly flashy or overly flashy or, or stylized. It's still, you know, is is uh, you know is very you know gritty, gritty feel. But um, yeah, well, we'll stop you right there and return yeah. more to the details later. So, what about you, Tom? Um, I, I, it's very. I definitely think it's better than. Brothers from the Wall Street, um, in parts. Uh, I think it's, it's solid. If, um, if 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 not absolutely mind blowing, uh, I thought it's it more of a solid, very grounded, um, very grounded in reality, um, and it, pretty much along the same lines as as the Wall City. It's very kind of a grim, gritty, uh, more of a it's just a very a very solid effort. I could definitely see him. Um, advancing with uh, camera techniques and just just the narrative in general, I thought he, he experimented with it. Some of it successfully, right? Some of it not to a point, but I think he, yeah, definitely uh, an interesting film. An interesting film. And my short take on it initially here is that I I I found ho- half of it quite slow, but the other half really really is both solid and really mind blowing. This is uh, sort of a hidden action gem based on a few scenes in this movie and I re- still really dig it this is my second uh, view, uh, viewing of the film um, sort of a few years ago when I did my initial review review on sogoodreviews.com uh, <clears throat> going through a little scene by scene at least in terms of my notes here I, and, and talking more style, uh, visual style and camera techniques and all of that I mean uh, the, if you look at the opening the, 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 there's nothing sort of fresh, of course, about 
you know rainy street with smoke and lights and uh, you know strategic lights uh, placed there to make it all very stylishly effective and uh, as i said rain it's it's not new but it's certainly not an amateur setting this up and i i really like that it is rather atmospheric because it's sort of black and gray outside and it's sort of the same outside inside rather when you meet uh, parkman wong and I, I think this had the feel of, I don't know what you guys feel, of uh, Shaw Brothers having created an excellent street set. I don't think this was outside. Uh, it feels very much inside and it looks great, you know, creating all those alleyways and stuff like that, uh, mm. which I really like. Might be outside regardless, well used uh, you know, um, uh, uh, street sets outside or not. Yeah, I thought it was outside, but you yeah, saying same, that same now again, you, you reminded me that it was Shaw Brothers just now has made me think that it possibly was a set. More than likely it was a set, which is amazing. Yeah, it's sort of very desolate, and it it's yeah. opening a set at night too, and you can't really control the night as such. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah. So you, you never know, but... Uh, it, Shaw Brothers, you know, if you watch their Kung Fu movies, they're always famed, famous for the uh, inside-outside sets being very uh, obvious, you know, and uh, and that's fun. You know, uh, you know they're, they're doing uh, forms and shapes uh, uh, on, uh, you know, in, 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 the open, uh, in the open air, but it's obviously inside, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's almost theatrical, you know, it's always on, uh, like they're on a stage, literally, which is fine. Uh, it's but all part it, of the love. Oh, absolutely. But... Yep. We and the, the, there's evidence here of what, what I really what one of the like lines I draw from Brothers from the Wall City, and this is how effectively Nam Night Joy deals in sudden sharp violence because there's a, um, a murder of a policeman at the beginning of the film by Parkman Wong's character. This sets off yep. the plot, and I like that it's you know violence that's just boom over. Yeah, and yeah. and you can see that in Brothers from the Wall City as well, uh, and I I get more disturbed by that jolt. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say shock, but it's a it's sort of well, uh, rather than you know, whoa, my God, it's so gory, I can't take it. It's it's I, I like the it's eyebrow raising. Yeah, it's, it's it's not it's not stylized. It's not to the point. Uh, more to the point. I mean, because with with other films, it. it you know, if you're watching like a huge gunfight with thousands of rounds going off, you can almost get numb to it. I think when it's a sudden jolt, it's more, you know, it kind of affects you because you've got time to think about it afterwards as well because the violence is gone. It's mm. come and passed. Yeah, it's not, um, it's not drawn out, but you know, it, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't make it really, really quick, but he doesn't hang it out either. He kind of doesn't linger. No. Yeah, he shows you it and then moves on. And one of the unsubtle messages in the film. Uh, is obviously um, poverty and uh, how you survive in the world. And uh, having said that, because I, I think it's a problem initially when Parkman Wong has all uh, his big speech about how poor they are and how desperate they are in this world and they need to turn to violence. And, uh, but I, as the movie goes on, I'm going to try and explain this as good as I can. It's set up really firmly, that unsubtle message in desperation. And then it sort of spreads, starts to spread evenly throughout the film. And I didn't find it, it certainly didn't turn into anything subtle. 
But since I disliked it at the beginning, okay, they're speaking about what the movie's about now, okay. Exposition. Mm. But I thought they smoothed it out, and they, it's not a character piece, obviously, but I, I think that that uh, works really well for a scene that we'll discuss a little bit later in more detail, the robbery. that So then it comes full circle, that uh, yeah. desperation. Because th- these are not, you know seasoned robbers these are normal people really that might have guns and uh, sort of tough demeanor but they're not very you know uh, numb and uh, you know with a black heart or anything like that the, the murder is uh, not a calculated uh, callous uh, murder uh, of the policeman uh, as far as my memory uh, uh, as far as i remember that it was sort of accidental uh, yeah but uh, what what do you guys think of you if you made any notes or have any thoughts about you know it, it's a glossy frame yeah but it has gritty you know it's designed as gritty i think that this looks very technically sound it's colorful but mm. h- how do you feel for instance david that did uh, did you ever think of made any notes about this being too colorful and too glossy or do you think it works in tune with the film um yeah, it's it's quite there's quite a lot of uh, you know brightness there. I mean, it's almost like a like a, a Shaw Brothers kind of trademark, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Including the, the blood. The blood. Yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> definitely that kind of um, uh, you know. I mean, it, it does it does a fantastic job on it, but there is something of that um, you know Shaw Brothers sort of you know stamp on there mm. of that kind of really. But not too of, good looking, though, despite having CD locations, you know. Uh, uh, gambling dance and what have you, uh, and even yeah, but, uh, and even uh, brothels, you know. Yeah, it's it's the, it's the thing about it is, you know, you can uh, you you get that sort of uh, you get that same kind of sense. I mean, uh, out of completely uh, different films by the, you know different films by different directors, they still got something of that you know it recognizable kind of shores kind of uh, sort of quality to them. But mm. yeah, ha- having said all that, what did, did you notice, guys, if um, the way Nam Nai Choi started to play a little bit more, uh, you know, setting up really stylish shots? For instance, the POV from inside the freezer in, in the morgue, you know, they open up the freezer yeah. and then they roll out there. You know, I, I see a, a guy who's coming out of his shell and dares to play and be a little bit self-indulgent, but not harmfully so, you know what I mean? Uh, did, were you by any chance like taken out of the movie when he started to play around visually? Uh, what do you think, Tom? No, I think he, I think he, he reigned, he experimented, but he reigned in with the, uh, you know, with the experiments, and it wasn't anything too flashy or you know overtly like, oh look at that shot. It was more kind of to the point, and there was you can tell that you know he'd obviously put a lot of work into thinking about how am I going to do this and how am I going to frame this, but in terms of the actual shots themselves, there was nothing. You know, he wasn't kind of, you know, trying to impress you with the shots. He was more, you know, probably trying to prove himself as a, as a solid director, mm-hmm. and rather than kind of show off. What I didn't check r- beforehand, I'm going to do it right now live here. He was the cinematographer on the film as well. That, yeah, that wasn't yeah. a given at all times, but he, he, he did shoot it as well. So fully yeah. in control of uh, the look as well. And and maybe was his own cameraman. You never know because cinematographers like to you know, uh, sh- uh, sit uh, in the camera and shoot and run with the camera and do all that work as well. And knowing Hong Kong cinema, uh, 
you know that hands-on approach. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, he uh, he uh, shot it fully as well. You know, uh, having the camera yeah. on his shoulder at all times or sitting in the sitting in the chair. Yeah, I mean, reg- regarding the cinematography, I felt that um, it was kind of like an awkward in the middleness of you know the kind of the fantastical Shaw's vibe and the gritty realism, and he was trying to kind of get a nice balance between them both. Because with you know you have some sh- some shots as you said, Ken, with like the uh, the opening and a lot of the street stuff, but you also have the the ultra bright lights of you know the tennis court mm-hmm. and um, you know stuff like that. So it's kind of like he's trying to a nice a nice balance between them both instead of going completely out with the grit or you know completely out with loads of the the shores blood flying everywhere. It's it's more of a mm-hmm. a nice balance between them both. Sometimes it, it feels a bit awkward when he's contrasting them, but I think you know a lot of the time it it works well. And there's also uh, finishing up on uh, on the visual style. Yeah, another section where he indulges is, of course, the uh, during the sex scene, which is set in reflection of uh, Jason Pipeus' uh, glasses. So, yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah. so, so he's, he's he's playing a bit. He's having, he's having fun. But yeah. uh, uh, so that's my main stop on the visual style. So, so David, what? Is next in your notes in terms of uh, in terms of the film? What do you want to lead with next, so to say? Um, I think you know this is the, the third uh, film that we've looked at, and you know, I mean, in a general, you know, speaking sort of generally, I think it's it's kind of uh, to say that he doesn't um, get his due really for for playing a, a part in the development of a uh, kind of a cinematic uh, cinematic style. Mm-hmm. That, that took uh, took Hong Kong film to a, an international audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably because I mean the films that are most well known of his here. Uh, you know they're known for their uh, you know known for their craziness. You know the story of Ricky and uh, Seventh Curse. But they, you know they're, they're known for that rather than uh, and, for being. And, and, and unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people pick up on the fact that those are very technically sound as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they're known for their sort of uh, you know. They're known for their for their content and for you know for what you know for what goes on in the films, rather than the fact that they're they're his films, which, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate really. And you know, maybe you know some people will get to know uh, know his name and the fact that he made these films. You know, mm-hmm. he was he directed these films. And and know, and, and through, those uh, other movies weren't we really did. known to be anger. And this and Brothers of the Front of the Wall City later on her vengeance. These are angry movies. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, high there's high emotions of revenge in this movie, mm. and as I said, you know, there's desperation and the poor people that are planning a you know a robbery, and when the cops are you know affected by this when their own dies, you know, you have that age-old plot strand of you know, if they don't play by the rules, why should we? You know, Law Meng is the main character that essentially wants to go on a revenge. Uh, little vigilante uh, thing, uh, trip, you know, journey, and you know, anger, no mercy, desperation is certainly a key sort of beat, emotional beat or theme throughout throughout this. It's not, as I said earlier, not very deep, but uh, I I like that it's uh, it's almost it's it's leading towards sort of a implosion of some kind, you know, yeah. because cops starts to stir the underworld. To solve the case, going somewhat by the book. Even UQI is 
realize that they 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 need to you know uh, be be a bit more harder and harsher and all of that and uh, and and then you have all of that contrasted with Jason Pipehue's calculated plan of revenge against against the crime crime boss crime lord and uh, and he uh, you you don't see as much anger in him but it's very calculated uh, and uh, despite me mentioning this felt slow during the first half essentially from the robbery and onwards I think it's a you know it hits its stride for me it's well made enough to justify that slow feeling because I felt even watching the movie the first time that it's going somewhere it's going to explode something's gonna really really happen I think it built itself up well so I don't know how you guys felt about that did did, did, did you get a sense of that Tom by any chance yeah I, I, I did yeah I think it, for me for me I think the problem with the film was it, it it, for me, it felt lopsided. I think the criminal's gang story was, uh, you know, well acted, subtly told, you know, believable. Um, I think the policeman on the other side and the ongoing plot involving the hitman and the boss of the syndicate were, you know, slightly underdeveloped and it just lacked a real momentum. Um, and I felt that they involved in a lot of scenarios, just felt didn't have any real impact on the film. There seemed to be an almost disconnect between the two opposite sets of character storylines. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah, they should have been. That, yeah they should have been more closely linked and affected and played a part in each other's plots. Um, I mean, they only come to blows and confrontation at the very end, which I found disappointing. Uh, I commend Namlo Choi for giving each character equal screen time and really taking time to develop each separate character's role. Uh, mm. I just felt the criminal gang was, you know, infinitely more interesting than the police or Jason Pye's hitman character. And uh, by the time the big planned armed robbery wrapped up, I, st- I stopped caring about the film. I mean, although it picks up quite a lot in terms of action, um, I just I just felt the gang stuff was was you know just a lot more effective and you know I, I paid more attention to that than than the cop stuff. Yeah, actually, uh, that's definitely a fair point. Uh, now yeah. that you mention it, and uh, and and certainly I I personally don't look at it as a thoroughly well developed movie, but I I think in a way because I'm so goddamn forgiving, I guess is uh, I I think those two aspects uh, story strands work on their own quite well i i, I got uh, i seen as the action that concludes the film is so strong i think uh, i'm very satisfied but lining them up beside each other yeah i do agree the robbers uh, story is uh, more real and felt because they are once we get to that robbery mid film or around about the hour mark you know yeah. they are absolutely scared and sh- shook up by the situation of performing this rather sloppily executed robbery though it's not yeah. a fucking oceans 11 type of <laughs> uh, type of heist this no george clooney in this one no i, I, <laughs> I was disappointed by that <laughs> when is george clooney gonna talk where's georgie yeah <laughs> but again we said we're not gonna spoil the film but i want to quiz you a little bit about uh, not quiz you but uh, uh question a little bit about that see that robbery sequence that um you know in general uh, if we start with you david uh how did number one i, I guess did, did you feel the movie at all felt slow up until that point as i mentioned or you were on board with sort of the pace all throughout throughout and up to this point um i was getting it i was you know it was sort of a it felt uh more deli- like a deliberate pace rather than, I, I didn't yeah. feel it was slow I just felt it was more like a deliberate thing and it's a short you know, movie too uh, yeah, to and, boot and, it's an 83 yeah. minute movie uh, thankfully 
and you could definitely sort of, um, uh, you know, I bought the fact that, you know, the way they were setting things up, that, you know, it was going to sort of, you know, it was going to crank up and, you know, it would pick up to a to a faster pace, you know, at some point, you know, which it, which it does, mm. very much so. But, um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, was, uh, I, was on, I was on board. And, sure. and technically, the, uh, the robbery is uh, where the movie starts to deliver in terms of stunts and the violence. Uh, again, s- sudden violence that we saw earlier in the film, it's here too. And I, I was really impressed. You know, it, there's both solid tension. There's some pretty good car stunts, uh, flips. Yep. And they're doing this very sloppy robbery where, you know, the, uh, they lose comrades quick due to rashness. I mean, one of them just opens up you know the truck that they rob, uh, rob, and just get shot in the stomach immediately by a yeah. shotgun. You know, and I like that. Baboom, and then it's over. Yeah, yeah. And and it's kind of frightening this desperation. You know, they they think they you you, you almost think like okay they probably planned this for a while, and it's it's just pure desperation. And you have the pregnant girlfriend waiting waiting in the car, and mm. and even when she takes uh, a, a hostage situation of course i would say that much she's she's afraid and crying while doing so you know uh, and that i felt was truly real i think it was well played too by parkman wong and the guys and even billy lau is well well injected yes, in this. grounded in this yeah. one isn't it yeah grounded despite calling being called brainless in the uh, english subtitles uh, <laughs> you, you you you're definitely not annoyed when looking at the no, billy lau no, no different role for for, for, for billy definitely uh, yeah for me Paul Manwong uh, stole the show on this one i think he uh, he seemed to be either permanently sweating or worrying or, or just simply like intensely contemplating um a definite great performance i think my, my favorite character in the film you know for sure yeah i've never seen him um do a performance like this uh, no, um, no 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 um possibly <clears throat> um law with two faces is, is is similar only because he does play um, a gangster triad, a low-level yeah, triad there. Yeah, he's a bit more laid back in that one, I think. Right, as opposed was, to this role. Yeah, it was a long time ago since uh, since yeah. I saw that one. But uh, technically, I was very impressed, and uh, it started mm. to blow me away. Kind of went from this point and all up till all up till uh, the end, and. Uh, s- Certainly, Nam doesn't feel like a director that leaves the set once the action directors are called upon. I think he, obviously shooting the movie too, he needs to be part of this. And it's well captured, all of this. Yeah. I mean, it's never, to me, confusing what is uh, going on uh, technically in in, uh, in the action scenes and all that. Mm. I don't know if I... I think I asked you, David, about this last time, if any of this is... Well, if I asked you last time, it was, uh, you know, in uh, direct reference to the movie, to Brothers from the Wall Cities, uh, I'll ask you again, is any of this violence and stuff disturbing to you, the, the way the way it happens, the, the, the way Jason takes out his opponents, the the, uh, the quick ways that it happens? Is that affecting to you where you get affected or you're, you, or you're, or you're a gleeful viewer that's <laughs> more violence, more violence, more violence? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, a, uh, that's one of... Uh... Um, Namnai shows um, one of the approaches he takes that I really like. He doesn't sort yep. of he doesn't play it for, for you know for either for laughs or for or for you know purely for like uh, entertainment. It's sort of you know 
it's you know it 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 means something you know is he, he wants you know he's trying to get to sort of uh, you know in terms of the story in in terms of the characters it's it me it means something you should it sh- it shouldn't just sort of uh, mm. it shouldn't just brush it off it should have yeah, there's still hanging in on you. Uh, yeah there's still hangings in the film and that's like whoa mm. that looks cr- that I don't like the look of that. That looks uh, like a painful way to die. <laughs> uh, there's never any fun, fun about hangings or rape and killings in movies, but I, I think those two hangings uh, that's in the movie, I'm going to mention a little bit more specific at the very end of the review, about that, where that that's part of one of the best action scenes in the film. Uh, yeah. And if, I think the most disturbing violence is, uh, if I remember this situation correctly guys uh do, do correct me if i'm totally wrong uh parkman wong te- uh, is wounded during this robbery scene and i think he takes like a ricochet because the the box next to him looks to be uh hit by uh you know the gunfire from the cops and then i think it like bounces and then his stomach is all bloody yeah. Do you remember the moment that I'm talking yeah. about? Oh, I remember the moment. I, I can't so, remember yeah. exactly whether that actually it happens in that way. I can remember getting shot, but I rewound yeah. it, and it looks like yeah. it ba- it's not like the yeah. splinters from the box uh, that hurts him. It's like they designed it to be sort of a ricochet bullet. Yeah, it doesn't look like a direct hit. What's that, David? It, it doesn't look like a direct hit mm-hmm. on him. It looks like it's you know it's come off of something or. And that 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 was frightening to me, and uh, even real to uh, seem like anyway. I don't know how gunfire works in real life, really, but uh, it, it it's not something that you see uh, in terms of uh, gunplay, realistic or uh, John Woo style in these movies. Uh. No, 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 very ground. So, so speaking again, we're not trying to spoil anything. We're certainly not going to. We, we're talking about the finale, but there you can certainly talk about aspects during the finale. Set uh, in a um, at the docks, I think, amidst containers, and that's obviously n- not fresh a fresh setting either. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the container finale or the warehouse finale or what have you. But it's filled with pretty good opportunities that they utilize and. One of the most frightening uh, stunts in the movie is in here, and it's the fire stunt for multiple stuntmen in the frame, capped with a wire pull for a gunshot. Uh, Jason Pye shoots one of the guys who's not yet caught on fire, and he shoots him. So there's, wow, setting up that action. That's dangerous, and timing is required. And you don't want to fucking redo that a lot of times. And, 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 and I've seen too many fire stunts lately. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm getting way too disturbed because Hong Kong and probably Taiwanese stuntmen are absolutely insane. I saw Runaway Blues uh, and the Lao Tribe movie, and there's literally a scene where they tie a guy to the table who's betrayed the, uh, the gang or whatever, and he, he is tied to the table with his hands behind his back and shit like that, and they set him on fire. And that's, that's real. That's way too real. Yeah. And really uncomfortable. And these are not well-paid stuntmen, even at Shaw Brothers, I gather, uh, risking their lives quite heavily. I mean, I would, I would, I don't, I would, I don't want, I would, I want that job. I don't want that job. Who wants that job? You know? <laughs> no one. <laughs> uh, but I really like the timing of that little sequence. You know, two of the guys uh, catches fire, and the third guy uh, gets shot. And there's clearly a wire pull. Uh, 
oh, yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah. It's not yeah. jumping back. I think it's quite a uh, uh, quite a jarring it gets rifle. Yanked, it gets yanked back. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, the, last, the last half hours with things, uh, I think, started to take shape. Some pretty solid action scenes. Some of it's genuinely shocking. There's there's no stylized you know fight scenes there you know no heroic bloodshed just grim gritty car hits squib work and uh, some amazing stuff as you said involving characters being set on fire and just running around mm. screaming. Yeah, any <laughs> any of the main cast. I mean uh, yeah 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 to get involved yeah. Jason I think is hit by a car he flips over the roof. Uh, no uh, by the way I think that was a stuntman but he takes the beam hit yeah, where he's I, on top of a car and there's a beam that he obviously smashes into and that. That looks painful because it looks like he's quite high in the air because you see him fall to the ground in the same shot. He jumps from the top of the building to the middle section and then onto the car, I think. <laughs> I remember rightly, like the middle section of the building, then onto the car, and then just takes a hit right in the chest. It's yeah. crazy. And it's not like they build a you know a beam fully made out of pillows or anything because that, <laughs> that, then <laughs> it would like yeah then it wouldn't be hard looking. So. So I had a lot of rewind moments during this finale. Uh, well, what, what about you, David? Were you, were you like, whoa, was that Jason? I got to go back and look. Or, or, or did you go through it without uh, stopping? I, <laughs> I just, I, just I, I wanted to see where it was going. But uh, that, I mean, the last, you know, the last, uh, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour. Um, it sort of, I mean, I was talking earlier about the sort of the, the visual style and I felt it was a really c- uh, consistent uh, in, in that respect, mm-hmm. um, I think it maintains that in the finale. But yeah. you know the the uh, the the action and you know and you know action and and the drama that goes with that. You know it's um, uh, you know it, uh, they maintain that style, but they mm. display that last you know that last part of the film. With like a real, uh, there's a real, you know, fantastic amount of energy there, and like, you know, it's got a real personality as well. It's its own, it's its own little bit. I mean, if film, I would yeah. have seen, I, I yeah. do agree with Tom that the sort of between the two stories, uh, the the robbers are are the most compelling. But I, yeah, I, I get sucked up in in Jason's very basic revenge story because it's complemented by violence and action, and I'm kind of weak and basic that way. It's definitely more action-packed plot of the of the three. Yeah, more and, going on. And so I mean, it's one of those cases where I think it it deserves a bit of a critical uh, critical uh, look. But I I never felt it. But when you when you mention it, and I, if I go back and watch it again, I will see that and still take away a lot of positives. Where and then that, that's how I kind of work. So I, I really appreciate you bringing that up, Tom, in that regard because you're you're right. Uh, it it's not as it doesn't have any substance uh, that one, uh, mm-hmm. but it it's hard, n- you know. Me thinking the way I think and the way I just described my thinking, it's hard not to be like that because the details in the action finale are so great, and even details like Jason losing a contact lens uh, during the finale. Uh, he, he's uh, if he has blood in his eyes and then he rubs that out and he realizes he's lost. I think both his contact lenses. And you don't see that in action films of this time. People, you know, no, they're very subtle. And uh, and and then you know, the 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 probably the most dangerous stunt in whole movies when the when the the bore uh, the the barrels of liquid that is in this sort of net <laughs> turns into this uh, ball of destruction and just yeah. wipes out the the sort of office. 
that is in within uh, within the docks. And I can see Jason or a stuntman on the back of that as it crashes into the set, mm. and the set collapses. And you know, reg- there were people in there, regardless of who it was, if it was a stuntman, <laughs> or there were fucking people in there. And th- that's, you know, you-, you can't plan for a collapse. That perhaps Hollywood movies nowadays can plan that really, really well, mm. but. This is Hong Kong movies, you know. Look, look at that destruction. That's mind-blowingly dangerous to me. It's like a wrecking ball, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, straight through. Straight and through. I, and I think the camera is very close to it. Uh, or I, do, I don't think he, Nam Nai Choi is operating the camera at that point. But you know, the camera survived that close shave, <laughs> that wrecking yeah, ball. Yeah. And yeah. I, th- that's one of my lasting impressions of the film. That fucking wrecking ball. And mm. uh, Shaw Brothers wasn't uh, known for extensive big epic action like that to be honest they were a great unit and all that but i don't recall many shaw brothers movies being that you know the designing action that big uh obviously a lot of knife action and martial arts action or what have you bloody action with the with the pink blood almost pink blood (laughs) light red blood rather uh and uh you know we have action directors yun wah and yun bun uh, apparently on this movie and they, they obviously deserve a lot of credit for um for doing this stuff, it's challenging stuff. You know, you, I've, yeah. I mean, can you guys think of like movies that are even similar in the action design? I think this stands out as very unique, uniquely yeah. dangerous. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely in a, a, a different area at Shaw Brothers doing this kind of stuff compared to their usual, you know, classical sword play and stuff. You know, without that, I think they they valiant effort from them. To be honest, with mm. the action. Definitely. Mm. It's funny you say about Yuma King because he's got uh, there's a nice Yuma cameo playing gangster in hotel room about half an hour in. If you yeah. spotted that, <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mustacheless. Oh, it was Sans Mustache. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I, I don't remember if I bre- uh, checked with you, David, if you had uh, extensive uh, extensive experience with Shaw Brothers, but uh, you know, would you say so as well that this this felt like u- unique action design, especially for the time? Yeah, it was really. I mean, if you, if you bear in mind when it was made, uh, there wasn't a, a whole lot else uh, around at the time to that you could say, oh, you know, it, it's kind of got it's got a bit of this film or a bit of that film mm. in it. It was. Um, it's not something that like Jackie and Sammo took over from this film, you know. No, it's no, a, it's uh, a, it, it's um, you know, it's. Um, they, they, they were balls of destruction in other ways, you know, <laughs> towards each other. They didn't put a like a wrecking ball in their movies yeah i mean in yeah. terms of the hong kong films of the, of the time this is pretty uh pr- pretty pretty unique mm-hmm. pretty, yeah. you know there, there's not yeah. a whole lot else that, that you know that you can that can directly compare it to really i don't think there's there's not the only thing i can think of that came out the same year was was winners and sinners but i mean that's nothing compared to this in terms of over the top stunts i mean the small you know great bits and pieces and that but something this huge like a wrecking ball going through a wall with someone on it yeah. this is definitely uh yeah groundbreaking in terms of um yeah the era the era it was uh it was made in yeah definitely uh, and broke it broke uh, they definitely uh did <laughs> yeah. if you build set you're gonna break him as well broke some bones i yeah. think they can so um rounding off my views and uh, i'll let you guys uh contribute any notes that you like uh, regardless if uh, they're um for earlier sections of the film but uh uh, the again, this night shootout slash Harry stunt finale, in particular the fire gags, the mentioned fire gags is gags is a mesmerizing experience where 
for me, the film truly gets bragging rights as a technical achievement, as well as featuring quite a lot of creativity and visually, especially, and an array of vicious killings. I'm going to mention some more in a while. And Excess, which is a key for discussing Nam Night Joy, and Excess is not a negative thing at all. Uh, I, I, I like that word uh, to be positive. Uh, that was definitely Nam's head, as well as the way you showcase teeth in a production. And teeth obviously means uh, grit and viciousness in, in this case. And this visit to his Shaw Brothers days will prove to viewers, I hope anyway, to be like an excellent reference point for Nam Night Choi. Sort of his... Uh, Brothers from the Wall Street, I think, is a better movie, but it's still a, an excellent reference point, and it's fun to track his development. Even more yeah. fun now that we've done it from the beginning. And mm. uh, if you're interested, this is a key movie to include in your Nam Night Choi discovery if you'd like to discover him. So uh, that's my sort of overall final view of the film. So, uh, so go back to you, David. Uh, before you sort of sum it up, do do you, uh, do you have any other highlights or notes you want to get in about the film? Talk about? Yeah, there was there was one scene that I don't think I've ever seen anything like in any Hong Kong film, and that was the uh, the squash court foo. Yes, sir. <laughs> that was J- Jason Pai versus Lee Hoi Sun. That I, at I squash. Thought, <laughs> I thought that bit was so much. You know, it was just it seemed. I wouldn't say out of place, but you weren't expecting to see that. It's just, it's just terrific, you know. It's kind of, you know. Why not? You know, kind of why not moments. They start, you know, they just start beating each other up a bit, and then it's all, you know, they, throws them into the fucking yeah. wall, you know, he, 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 feet first into a wall, and uh, Leo San yeah. gets thrown into the wall. I, yeah, I agree. I like that. That's, that's terrific. I like that. Bit. He's holding him up like a baby, isn't he? Punching him, like, oh. <laughs> 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 like him. Like, like a newborn child and just giving him digs. Um, at the, at the, the beginning bit before that, when he attacks the guy in the toilet, um, just that one impact of the guy hitting his head. Yeah. Fucking brutal. Yeah, well, like, totally. Like, it almost looks like he decapitates him. You never see it on the screen, but he, he, he I think he punches him in a way that he probably punched him a great uh, against, you know, sharp... Uh, wooden splinters, you know. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's just one little cut. Like the cut's so fast as well. It's like basically him standing and then his head in the toilet sink with a bang, and it's 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 brutal, really brutal. It's it's part of, if I remember correctly, that tight quarters action scene that uh, that has gunplay as well and hi, a high fall, uh, which is uh, obviously done in in parts, but there's still a you know a, a quite a complex window stunt that concludes with the fact that death is felt here you know because when you see that overview shot of uh, the, the the henchman you know uh, splattered on the ground essentially i oh yeah the, the voice scene when they, they go to his room to uh yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah 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 that one and 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 i think not i'm really you know it, it's amazing that and 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 i think Working alongside a director like Sun Chung, who he shot a lot of movies for, whose movies were, at points, quite quite a number of times, uh, dark and edgy. I think uh, there's uh, certainly it's developed so quickly. So I, I I certainly feel that shooting a lot of dark stuff, not similar stuff, but still dark stuff and edgy stuff, must have you know influenced and f- f- you know planted in planted itself in his brain somehow. 
If not, then it's a train of thought that was born in him, his personal train of thought about how you portray violence that was continually evolving. It's, you know, her vengeance in 1988 that we will cover. It's a harsh violence as well. You know, it's not a one-off or two-off, if you will, in Brothers from the Wall City and Men from the Gutter. It's always made death and violence felt in my, in my book. Mm-hmm. And, and a director who knew to have fun as well. Yeah, uh, you know, yep. g- going by the movies that we mentioned at the top of the show that you watch, you know, Saga of the Phoenix has this uh, sort of uh, Muppet reject gremlin kind of character. <laughs> that's great fun. <laughs> so, uh, that, that that's definitely one of my standout scenes as well. And my my final note and my final kind of standout scene, I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, after the robbery scene and and what happens at the end of it, I I love. That it concludes that the cops go back to business after the tragedy happened because what can they do they must start you know uh sealing off the crime scene and start uh, interviewing uh, interviewing witnesses and all of that it's been such a tense situation but what can you do after witnessing that so i like that they didn't have like a fucking crying scene or anything after like what did we just witness they go back to business and it's not callous and cold it's it's what can you do? Uh, which which makes them kind of sympathetic in my book. Uh, you know, struggling as well to stop crime. And uh, once you've stopped crime, you have to, I guess, adhere to protocol as well. Adhere to the book. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really dug that. So, um, again, David, any other highlights? Uh, any other notes of the film you wanna wanna inject? Uh, no, I'm I'm pretty much uh, said everything I wanted to. Yeah. Right. Right on. Uh, sort of thumbs up uh, from you and thumbs up from me and uh, mid thumbs up from from Tom I guess <laughs> yeah for me at least uh, my favourite one so far mm. I think Brothers from the Wall City I admit this three is my favourite uh, I think it was more uh, rich as a drama I, 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 I take away that it goes so fast characters go sink so deep uh, whether they are responsible for it or not speaking of Chin Su Ho's character in that movie uh, that, that that really gets to my heart. This is a great ride for me. So, um, but um, what about you, Tom? Any other notes you you wanna wanna inject? Uh, any highlights? Yeah, I've, got, I've got a couple. Um, I think the beginning chasing is great, uh, especially the car stuff. Uh, it's filmed extremely well. Um, yeah, yeah thing... that was the scene I was thinking. Like this must have been shot indoors and ifs. Yeah, uh, because it, they must have sort of a controlled. Uh, environment to do that exactly in yeah Um, it looks fucking like a great build if so great yeah yeah it was was filmed extremely well and and the thing i noticed a lot is that there's there's shaky cam there that is actually used effectively and correctly you know it's not like shaky cam all over the shot it's like shaky cam one shot pointing at you know in this case um you know in this case the car and and the chase and the, the, the momentum the car's getting you know the shaky cam's working you know, in favour of the scene and not against it, mm-hmm. you can actually concentrate on what's going on, but you still, it's still creating that tension, which, uh, you know, is a rare thing, it's a rare thing to get a shaky cam that is actually used effectively. Um, oh. I think from there, it throws you straight, you know, straight into the action. For definite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, like, yeah. I like also, this is uh, not my choice, first um, movie shot in, uh, in scope. Uh, the other movies were uh, the 185 format. This is a 235 format that you used to with Shaw Brothers, but I think uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's very effective. I mean, it, it uses the frame uh, quite well. Yeah, it's directed. It's directed really well. I mean, for a third film in a directed filmography, it's you know 
pretty great. It's not particularly flashy or, you know, using mind-boggling camera angles or anything, but, you know, as no. I said, it's just really effective uh, with film. So, sometimes cinematographers turn into great directors mm-hmm. uh, uh, and Jigomar. Um, Jigomar, I was about to say <laughs> he he's never going to turn into a great director it seems I don't think so no, I don't think shoot so. movies only Jingle Ma. T- yeah. take away his directing card if you <laughs> you know the Comcast guys you, you, you can probably you know ro- rob Jingle Ma in the street and take his directing card because that's how things work in real life I assume that every director has a directing card and if you take that away uh, and uh, exchange it to a cinematographer only card. Phew, world safe. Uh, um, I don't know about that, Ken. <laughs> you sure? You I sure? don't know how it, I don't know how it works, but I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Mate. We'll do some research for you, Ken. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, there's a reason. I uh, I guess uh, since, since I never leave my ha- house, I build up a naive uh, thoughts and views about the, how the outside world works. God. Um, uh, yeah, I've got a few more notes. Uh, just a few more quickly. Um, it's a great electronic score. Um, I really liked it. Like the, the, some scenes are really kind of emphasised well with the score. I think some moments are slightly heavy-handed with like a squealing electric guitar in some scenes uh, when it should have been slightly more subdued. But I thought mostly. Seemingly, uh, I didn't recognise the cues because obviously Shaw Brothers, as great as they were, they did steal uh, music and sound cues left and right. So I don't know if this is taken from something, but uh, still, you know, you, you judge it in the way they, in that case, chose it and picked it and uh, cued it up. You know. They queued it really well, and it's, it's used effectively. Um, yeah, just... I, I, I think, uh, pardon me, Tom, there's, uh, there's original music in Brothers from the Wall City, though, because there, there, there's a theme song, and that a very, really tragic theme song that uh, yeah. at least they're closest to film. So it's not like all of Nam Like Choice, move, Nam like Choice movies were filled with uh, Ennio Morricone music or anything like that. Yeah, so, yeah, I think the, the soundtrack, soundtracks are... You know, used used very well and very effectively. Um, I just want my final note is I just think my biggest problem with the film is, you know, Michael uh, Mew himself. I just, I don't think at this point in his career, he didn't have, you know, enough charisma or intensity to really effectively pull off the role. And, I mean, to be fair, and to be fair, and this was only his second film. Um, but throughout, I just, I just think there's just no emotion on his face. Um, you know, even when he's in a confrontational situation, uh, and it hurts a lot of a lot of scenes power for me overall. I mean, even the final face to face with uh, Jason Pye's character, there's just there's just there's no emotion. I think you know his partner Lo Meng was uh, was head and shoulders better suited for the role. Um, but you know, obviously he had the experience prior to this, so I think that their, their relationship and and you know it's a bit kind of lopsided with you know the, uh, him being the better actor of the two. I spent most of the film really watching. Lomeng and what he was doing because I think he, he exuded more charisma and he's more interesting to watch but I mean it's only a minor you know pick and he definitely would you know get better my, my... oh yeah yeah and I, I, I can see that but I also saw some moments where I did feel he felt a little bit like a badass you know because he moved well within the scenes and I mean like literally moved you know um you know charging into the situation and all that but that that look is necessarily not suited for a uh a um, you know a, a hard ass cop. Yeah, like I think I just wanted to be a bit more intense. I think if he was a bit more intense and a bit more kind of you know wanting to just you know bag his man and stuff, I think it would have for me it would have pulled me in a bit more. And I think with him being a bit more subdued, I don't think it worked correctly for um for it. But yeah, as I say, he definitely got better during his career. I mean, it's only his you know second film, and I think for his second film he, he did well. But I just would have liked to seen a bit more kind of intensity to his role. On the casting of Lo Meng, I actually like that the, there isn't lazy action casting here. 
and uh, no. and and that that's true of Jason's character as well because Lawman can quickly be defeated by a brick in a purse to the head in this movie. <laughs> you know, there, there, yeah. there's no Superman-like antics, and yeah. uh, and I, I I like that because um, that that makes uh, part uh, those part of the movie aiming for realism that I think work. You know, that that definitely is part of that, and uh, mm. I, I particularly like that scene where I think it's the uh, girlfriend of Parkman once who takes out Law Meng. So you know, yeah. good on Shen Pei yeah. Shi. She took out Law Meng in the movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think that concludes uh, our review of Men from the Gutter. It's um, it is recommended. I, I out of all these three, I wouldn't recommend one way only. But if you want to see it all and can get a hold of it, follow us. And uh, as we uh, as we move along in uh, Namnai Choice uh, filmography and see what you think and hit us up with some feedback in terms of what you think uh, so far of the development. Uh, what? Unfortunately, we're going to have to do is skip a movie in the filmography, uh, as we alluded to last time, because I can't get currently his last Shaw Brothers movie, which is a comedy called Free Suit, Just Go Undercover. I don't feel necessarily that title, it doesn't feel essential, but I would have liked to see if he had comedic chops uh, making a true comedy, if that is uh, a thorough, you know, uh, comedy all throughout, or maybe it mixes in darkness, I don't know, but it's only in the Sea Eagle box, and my contact uh, couldn't get a hold of that movie. He never requested it, because, uh, to be honest, that title sounds like shit. So, <laughs> uh, he, he requested Revenge of the Corpse, and, you know, Mob Fix Patrol, and those uh, cool movies, but uh, not Free Studios Go Undercover, so we'll have to skip that, and the next episode will be a solo uh, solo um, effort again. We're going to cover one movie, but it is the great movie, The Seventh Curse. Yay! Starring uh, a pipe, starring Chai Fat, starring <laughs> Shin Su Ho, starring boobies, and starring uh, reanimated skeletons, Elvis Choi, uh, Maggie Chung uh, being spanked without pants. Le- oh, no, not really. She's threatened uh, with a spanking without pants in one of the great <laughs> subtitles uh, from uh, The Seventh Curse. Uh, uh, but, but, uh, Again, it stars boobies, which is important, uh, as you'll know. There's a plot point in the movie where something comes out of boobies that helps Shinsu. Oh. <laughs> so, yep. So it's going to be good fun the next episode on the seventh curse as we cruise through. In, in, in the case of this director for the first subject of the director series, it, it is, you know, obviously a lot of movies to an extent, but... We feel it's worth to cover each and every movie because they they deserve it. When we move on to a second subject, it might uh, the filmography might be so vast that we'll try and choose like maybe the ten best because I see this series as being extensive. Uh, when we uh, for each and every director that we choose, I mean we might end up at five or six episodes on Namnai Choi, and uh, that was always the intent, not to you know do a bio and just pick two of. Uh, you know, out of a roster of many great movies, I don't think that's fair. I think it's fair to, to, uh, to take as thorough of a journey as you can. Mm. Uh, and having said that, with the second subject that we'll reveal at some other date, we might do a very extensive uh, look at that man's career if we can find the majority of the movies. Because there's always that too, the availability. Yep. Uh, in the case of Namlai Choi, Almost all the movies are available, or at least were at one point. So there are DVDs out there used or um, or available as downloads and what have you. Mm. But uh, anyway, we'll run through some contact information again, then we'll sign off. 
So you've been listening to the director's series at the Podcast on Fire network located at podcastonfire.com. Our message forum is located at podcastonfire.com forward slash forum. In there, you'll find the members-only archive. Possibly, we're going to try out, as I said at the top of the show, some bonus episodes of um, members-only content to be placed content to be placed on the, the site. Experimentation. Facebook.com forward slash POF network. Let us know what you think about this new show and uh, what have you. Any feedback is welcome. We're also on Twitter. Twitter.com forward slash so sorry, it's not mine yet. Twitter.com <laughs> forward slash podcast on fire. My writing and video reviews and my Twitter account respectively are, uh, are on the following sites, sogoodreviews.com, sleazykvideo.com, and twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews. Subscribe to our iTunes feed, listen to us on the go at Stitcher, stitcher.com, and uh, David, you want to plug uh, Hong Kong Gig Guide briefly again? Uh, go to Facebook, search Hong Kong Gig Guide, and it, uh, be the first thing on the top of the list. And uh, Tom, you have some uh, some reviews on vcinemashow.com and uh, hopefully some more in the future as you do yeah. uh, as you do freelance work across the sites. Yep, no doubt. Just go to vcinemashow.com and type in my name, Tom K. Williams, and they'll be there for your pleasure. And, and we'll certainly try and link to uh, sort of an index of your reviews or the search results of um, so people can immediately see the uh, seven or eight or nine or ten reviews that you have up there i, I never yep. counted them is that is that fair uh, i think it's five to, okay <laughs> to be honest, yeah. but we're on the road we're nearly there to ten mate okay I know, I know. uh okay that concludes a rather splendid and fun evening discussing one movie and actors and all of that so thanks guys for coming on so my name is ken Bilson, been your host for this evening and with me was david harris and tom kent williams so say bye guys Bye. Bye. See you next time.